a big aspect of our power is to learn how to express aspects of us that we had to suppress in the presence of people that caused us to repress it. As we go through the journey of emerging from that, of emerging from abandonment and emerging from self-abandonment, by self-abandonment I mean what are the parts of you that you had to reject in order to fit into the conditioning of your family? Whether you did that consciously or unconsciously, to a certain degree, even visceral degree, to a certain degree, there was a tiny choice, a mini choice that was made. And maybe that choice was just pure survival. Since I know that they cannot accept this expression of me, I'm going to disconnect from this expression of me so that I may receive a certain degree of love. When we actually, and that to me is a sacred wound. Sacred because when you start emerging from it, you actually create the stamina to be able to hold your own uniqueness. Welcome to Masculine Mastery, a show dedicated to helping men open their hearts rise into their greatness and liberate their most alive, awaken, and authentic selves. My name is Christopher August and I invite you to join me each week alongside some of today's most respected thought leaders where we'll be diving deep into a wide range of topics to support the evolution of masculinity and the consciousness of this planet. I am back and it feels amazing. It's been a few weeks since I've released an episode and I've been busy. I've been traveling, just returned back from the beautiful and magical mountains of Tepoztlan, Mexico. For those of you that don't know, I actually live in Mexico, but wanted to visit some other sacred sites around this incredible country um, and get some ideas for some retreats and some workshops I want to host coming up within 2023. And I've also been crazy busy enrolling people into my signature 40-day breathwork experience called Ascend and co-creating a new experience that is going to be launching on September 24th. That is called Man to Man. It is an eight-week somatic coaching experience designed to help men awaken their authentic masculine expression. And I'm going to be co-creating and co-facilitating this with Sean Graves, who you've maybe seen on the podcast. He was on the last episode, episode 10, as well as on episode two. And there's going to be some guest teachers involved as well. Michael Gay, who has also been on the podcast, as well as Darren Silver and my dear brother, Jaguar Hart. They're all going to be lending their expertise into the space to help men really activate that primal power and come into their heart space and reconnect with their true nature and authenticity, which is really what we all desire in the world is to be in our full self-expression, to be in our truth, to be living our purpose, to be serving the world. And now more than ever, we need men to step into this space. And so all the details about this experience, man to man, is going to be in the show notes. You can check it out, click the link and apply. 16 spots available. That is it. We want to limit this so that we can be 
precise with all the men that come through so that we can lend as much support and accountability to everybody that wants to join this container. So check it out. And the beautiful thing is, is it a great segue into this conversation today with Xavier Dagba as we talk about all of the things that we've had to repress time after time in order to fit into society. And that that path of repression and suppression is no longer that we can step into our truth and express ourselves unapologetically, that we can step into our rawness and we can fully be seen and heard for who we are. And that in itself is invaluable. And when we can step into that, we gain more confidence we're able to impact others in a, in a bigger and greater way and give others permission to do the same. And so this conversation today was just so incredible. I am so grateful to be connected with such a balanced, integrated, and powerful man such as Xavier. His work what he is putting out into the world, and all of the alchemy that he creates through helping people to tap into their emotions, helping people to fully step into who they are. And you're just going to find out more as we go into this episode. So I'm not going to delay this any longer. I want you to listen to this, soak in all of the wisdom and knowledge from Xavier and all of the things that he's doing in the world because it is quite powerful. So without further ado, let's hop in to today's conversation with Xavier. See you guys on the other side. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Masculine Mastery Podcast. And today I am super stoked. I have an awesome guest joining me and I'm feeling just the potency of this conversation. We were just talking a little bit offline and I was just feeling so much energy rushing through me about this conversation and feel that it's uh, it's going to be extremely transformational. And today on the podcast, I am very, very excited to introduce Xavier Dagba. And Xavier, if you don't know him, he is a trauma-informed transformational life coach and shadow work facilitator. He loves to think of himself as an emotional alchemist, and his work and teachings are infused with the intent of transmitting the sacred wisdom of the heart. I just love that and feel very much aligned with that as well. And his own transformational journey brought him to dive into the universe of shadow work. And he tends to think that only when you are willing to integrate your shadow can you feel fully alive. And he feels most alive when he helps people shed their limitations, embrace their repressed power, and live lives from their heart and not from their wounds. And welcome, my man. I appreciate you coming on today and joining me. It's just an honor to have you here. Man, it's an extreme pleasure. You know, it's a it's a it's a delight. I love um what you're standing for, um, what you're standing behind, and also I love what is holding you in this work. Um, because very often I'm of the belief that what you what you're trying to hold is actually holding you. So the cause of the masculine that you are being a bridge for, um, I tend to see it as also what is holding us, you know. So I love your work. I am celebrating that I get to be a part of this conversation. And um, man, I'm just ready. 
ready to see where this conversation is going to bring us. And I'm going to start with this intent, um, you know, to be in a place where we can welcome, receive, and transmit what the audience that will tune into this conversation needs to hear. So thank you for having me. Oh, I received that. And and so it is. Thank you so much for your heartfelt words. And I appreciate that. And yeah, you know, something that you just spoke to right off the bat is really important that to, to note is that anything that we're putting out into the world is holding us and calling us deeper into our authenticity and our wholeness. And, you know, that journey oftentimes can be a little shaky at times. It could feel a little uncomfortable, but the bigger the vision, sometimes the bigger the obstacles and the challenges that we have to face and the shadows we have to move through in order to realize that vision. And so that's something that I speak to a lot and and something that I would love to speak to you about your sort of background, where things started for you. And of course, I know that's probably a multi-layered story, but a high level overview about you know, where you were and where you are now and that vision that you carry for yourself and your work in the world. Well, thank you so much, you know, for um, just offering to give some more context. I never really saw myself do doing every anything like the work I'm doing today was completely in my blind spot. I wasn't aware of that. It's something that I never aspired to do. And for me, it was just like really crazy to even think that you can take one person from a place of awareness and kind of lead them together, evolving to another space of, to me, that was just like magic thinking. It was just out of my, you know, out of my paradigm. I was born and raised in Africa and um, in Cameroon, it's somewhere in Central Africa. And I grew up there and um, my whole life, I was just trying to be a good boy, you know, trying to get grades, trying to behave um, as best as I could. And it wasn't always, always, always easy. I grew up in a very religious family um, that I love, really loving people. But I just had a hard time with some of the aspects of the, of the religion, a real hard time. And a whole lot of the initial wounding that I felt was around kind of like not, you know, the feeling of shame, even the feeling of thinking that there must be a part of me that is evil because I'm not loving, quote unquote, God, the way I'm supposed to be loving God, because I'm not kind of like following the, the rules, the way I'm supposed to. So there was a big feeling there that anchored a lot of unworthiness, a lot of shame. I even started asking myself the question at times, is there a part of me evil? Is it the reason why I just can't connect to it this, the same way they're connecting to it? Um, what I mean by days, like, you know, people that I grew up around, my siblings, my family, my parents, and for me was just very limiting. I don't want to dive into so many of the details because I don't want people to feel kind of like ostracized in their faith. That's not the intention. But I was just from this perspective where I didn't see any reason why I should fear God. That was my perspective growing up. And that I was asked to fear God was just like, come on, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to fear this kind of like source that is ultimate love. And it just didn't compute in my system. So I detached myself very young from all religious practices 
And that was met with a lot of abandonment, a lot of rejection, a lot of like ostracizing. So I embraced the black sheep. Um, there are aspects of my life where I was trying to play the golden child, like school. I was doing the best I can. That was I was holding on to it. I was like, I cannot fail life on all the different aspects. So I'm going to hold on to this. And then, you know, had a scholarship, moved to Montreal to do a PhD in economics. And I had this, I'm going to call it dark night of the ego, um, not dark night of the soul. To me, there's a, to me, a dark night of the ego is the brightest night of the soul. And then the way I chose to relate to it, we're never really going through a dark night of the soul because the soul, in my understanding of it, knows no dark night. So what really happened there was I fell out of love with what I was doing. Everything that I was doing in the PhD was this deep kind of knowing that I'm not where I'm meant to be. And um, I made a decision to step out of it. And that was another reason for, you know, through that came a lot of rejection, ostracizing and all of these different things. So I'm going to say that was my initiation to shadow work kind of going through the path of the black sheep, going through the path of like, especially coming from an African family where a lot of emphasis is being put on having the higher grade you can possibly have and being the person that is going to drag your siblings out of hardship, out of like, you know, very difficult situations. And now I am the one that is choosing not to keep going with a PhD was not a betrayal for my family and also for me it was just like the proof there was a part of me that wanted to be self-righteous it was the proof that hey you say love each other you say do all of these things and at the very moment that i choose to do something for me i choose to let go of this phd because i need to realign my life now you're letting me down so that was the story that i internalized back then and i had to work through the feelings of shame and the feelings of grief, the, sh the feelings of like unworthiness and the feelings of anger and resentment as well that were directed towards my family. And through that, what I learned was really the, 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 the challenging process of surrendering to your own pain. Because we, we often talk a lot about surrendering to your light and surrendering to your power. But there is a gut-wrenching process of just like surrendering to your pain and in my opinion one of the big reasons why people often feel stuck in depression is because of an unwillingness to kind of surrender to that level of pain that depth of pain it's as if we often hold ourselves in this kind of surface level we can feel and know that there is something deeper that is calling our name and on some level, we don't trust ourselves to be able to go through that and emerge from that. So we stay in this pseudo space of kind of like depression. And I did that for years, experienced really deep depression for years before I actually allowed myself to lean in there. And that was kind of like, without having concepts about what I was doing, really, without having concepts about shadow work and all of these different things, it was the... Uh, the initial practice and of course after that came the journey of like you know immersing myself into spiritual work initially trying to bypass my pain trying to run away from my pain using meditation to escape instead of diving into my body and sitting with my body um using 
you know, positive thinking to escape instead of sitting with myself. And um, then came even more and more surrender, even more and more sitting with that. And actually true, true surrender with my, with the sadness that was there, the anger that was there, the resentment that was there, learning how to emote, actually relearning how to emote all of this. There was just a spaciousness. I'm going to call it spaciousness. It was just a feeling of space that was created inside of me. And this is really what put me on the path of what I'm doing today, you know. So it's kind of to give a little bit of context, like the big strokes um, that happened for me. And um, I hope it illuminates more um, of the questions you may have about my journey. Mm. Yeah, that was a uh, very, very powerful share. And I really related to you know, not all of it, but I can feel the the pressure that perhaps had surmounted within you to be a certain way. And I think that's a common theme that all humans face at some point or another through the process of conditioning. Of course, your background might be different than mine, um, but overall through the context of religion, through the context of these false narratives, stories, and beliefs that our parents carry then put onto us, that we need to be a certain way, that we need to look a certain way, or we need to do this, this certain thing. And I think over time, you know, that just has a crushing impact on our spirit and our soul. And at some point our soul has to emerge from that. And, and I love how you said dark night of the ego, you know, there's, there's so much that we talk about the soul, but it's, it is that ego that is dying and that death process, of course, which I would love to get into you a little bit more about is very, very difficult. And one other thing that I would just like to offer before we move on is that, you know, I, I just want to say, I see you and I, I feel you. Um, I have a little bit of, um, context in the sense that I, I lived in another African country for two years. I lived in Tanzania, Africa, and I lived in mm -hmm. the villages and it was a very, very transcendental and powerful, uh, experience for me, um, as just a, a man from Buffalo, New York and living in the villages in for, for over two years in a very primal environment you know, I saw a lot of that um, sort of, you know, I mean, Africa in general, I mean, there's so many countries, but there's such a heavy dose of colonization and the religious undertones and all of the stuff that just gets fed into the system. It's very, very strong, very, very strong yeah. that I've, that I witnessed there. So all in all, I just want to say, I see you and I feel you and I hear you and thank you for, for emerging out of that and now stepping into your power and to your light so that you can offer that back to your people and back to the world. Well, thank you very much. You know, um, it's, you know, growing up, especially for people who grew up around my generation, for us, it was just like, this is it. This is what life is. This is what it looks like to be born here. And, um, we, we never really questioned, um, religion and all of you know all of that and um you know to this day it's like my parents my family they are all immersed into this and i respect them precisely there and i even love them for that um and it was really just that feeling it was it's this feeling of like wow the questioning maybe there's something wrong with me for not doing things the same way the tribe wants to do 
the same way the tribe expects me to do, the same way my community. So when I'm using the word tribe here, I'm inviting you and everyone that's listening to it. Think about your family of origin. Think about your culture of origin. Think about the roles that have been um, the role that has been pasted onto you. You know, it's like usually, and it's not necessarily something that they are doing from a very malicious perspective to crush your uniqueness. That wasn't the case for me, for example. Um, they were trying to equip me with what they know I they, they thought I needed, and um, they did it in the best of their ability, but it was just not what I needed. It was just, well, some, one, would, one could argue, maybe it was precisely what you needed. And I can also welcome and honor that perspective. And on the other end, it was precisely what caused a lot of like abandonment within myself and self-abandonment. What I wanna say here, the pressure of conditioning often creates what I like to call sacred wounds. And one of the sacred wounds, in my opinion, is abandonment. And it is so sacred, and I'm not trying to glimmerize abandonment here, but I just see it as something that is so sacred. Because as we go through the journey of emerging from that, of emerging from abandonment and emerging from self-abandonment, by self-abandonment, I mean what are the parts of you that you had to reject in order to fit into the conditioning of your family? Whether you did that consciously or unconsciously, to a certain degree, even visceral degree, to a certain degree, there was a tiny choice, a mini choice that was made. And maybe that choice was just pure survival. Since I know that they cannot accept this expression of me, I'm going to disconnect from this expression of me so that I may receive a certain degree of love. When we actually, and that to me is a sacred wound. Sacred because when you start emerging from it, you actually create the stamina to be able to hold your own uniqueness. You have to kind of claim and build the body to be able to hold yourself. So there are many sacred wounds that we go through. Betrayal, in my opinion, is one of them. Abandonment is one of them. And when we learn how to really emerge from these, what we are signifying, what we are telling to our soul is, I am ready to hold more of my uniqueness. Bring it on. So um, that's really what happened to me back then. And um, I hope people can really relate to this whole thing and begin to ask the question, okay, what are aspects of me right now that I am still abandoning? Because to a certain degree, I may still be wanting to fit in the conditioning of my family of origin, culture of origin, you know. So that's a big, big theme in my opinion. Mm. I would agree wholeheartedly, 100%. And I think the deeper you go with this, and, and I would love to open this up a little bit, the deeper that we go with examining where we have abandon ourselves. And I love the way that you put that. And there was just so much gold in that. And I think to take it one layer deeper is, is abandoning the self, the capital S self, the, the all powerful self that is wanting to always emerge through this process. Yet I think as you go through this, 
you know, you see the, the, the big pieces at first and then it gets subtler and subtler and subtler. And the deeper you go, the more you just begin to expand and open, but you know, through this process and I, what you had mentioned earlier is this, this dark night of the ego and what this process for, I personally, you know, myself and what I've gone through, I'm sure of course, what you've gone through. And then the people listening to this conversation right now, the men out there that have really, um, or potentially even going through this process now, but don't know what to do or what it is or why they're feeling this way. What is, um, a way in which we can, we can move through this and we can also emerge from this. Yeah. That's a really beautiful question, you know, very, very beautiful question. The way I like to lead people through that is kind of like in a very direct way, in a very direct way, asking the question, what are parts of me that I have to put on mute when I'm around my people? What are aspects of me that I don't have permission to voice? What are even feelings that I don't have permission to be with? What are emotions that I don't have permission to be with when I'm around family of origin, when I'm around my father, when I'm around my parents, when I'm around my my siblings, when I'm in my regular kind of like cultural setup? What are things that are just like out of reach by design or because it was just not allowed? And what that does, it really gives, it shines a light into that part, these parts, aspects of you that are, maybe they have always been there, but you just didn't have the, it wasn't modeled, maybe it wasn't allowed, or maybe in the past you allowed yourself to express these parts and it was met with a withdrawal of love. And really asking these questions, what are aspects of me that even every time I allowed myself to show these parts, it was met with a withdrawal of love from caregivers, parental, you know, even in school, what are these aspects of me that I had to suppress in order to feel safe? For some people, it is going to be, for me at a big, at a certain time, it was even my own sensitivity, like growing up, just like being able to tune into, or at the very least, the, 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 the I'm going to put it this way to kind of like infuse this with a certain degree of humility my idea of what people were feeling around me and just like tuning into the primal kind of like feelings and energy that they were, that people were just like emanating. That was so strong for me. So strong that, you know, I remember I had birthdays where I didn't want to be in the room with people. I just couldn't be in there. I didn't want to be in there. I was coerced to blow the candles on my, on the birthday cake, but I just couldn't be there. I just couldn't receive the the attention, the focus of people wanting me to do that. And it was really visceral. It was really visceral. And I always had that rebel that was just like, well, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go away. But that sensitivity, at some point, I've had to numb it. And I remember having so many episodes of being able to just attune so much into what, for example, my mom was feeling. I was like, I could anticipate when she would be mad. I created that emotional hypervigilance, you know, that so many people called, call empathy. And then at some point I cut it up, really numb, all of this. I was like, I don't want to be in touch with that because it became 
one of the reasons why I was bullied later in school, because I was always in my corner, not wanting to be with people. So I had to not only reclaim that sensitivity, but learn how to work with that in a very kind of like, I want to say heart-centered way. Not, I want, not shaming myself for it, not seeing it as something that is negative within myself. Same thing with anger. Same thing with even patterns of aggression. Because when I started, when in high school, no, when in elementary school, I started being bullied, I responded with more, you know, violence. Like I became the bully's bully at some point. Started lifting weights when I was like, what, maybe 10? I was like, I need to be stronger. And I turned a whole lot of that suffering into rage and violence. And that stopped the bullying. But at some point I realized, hey, I am turning into something that I don't want to be. And again, how to work with that violence and that rage. So when you're asking these questions, what it starts pointing at are what wasn't allowed in the tribe? What wasn't allowed in my community? What was in there? What is still in there within me? But I just feel like when I'm in a certain environment, I can freely express it. But when I go back into my family of origin, into my tribe, I cannot necessarily express it or what are aspects of me that I completely got out of touch with. I don't even feel that I have access to it any longer. So these are the initial kind of questions that I would ask people. And that dark night of the, the, the ego that often happened is a moment where the ego identification that has been created can no longer contain all the light that is willing to be expressed in any given moment. It can no longer contain all of this. So that light begins to kind of push the edges. It starts pushing the edges. What do I mean by light is your ability to express yourself more heart, in a more heart-centered way, to express your divinity in this human body in a more heart-centered way, your ability to embrace more of who you are. When it starts really, when it starts to descend, because you've called, because you've called it, when it starts to descend, usually it's going to try to make more room. It's going to try to create spaciousness. So it's going to expose even more aspects of you that no longer allow that embodiment to happen. So if you are going through something like this, I would really begin the journey of asking myself, what is taking the space that this light now needs? What is taking the space that this light now needs? What is occupying the spaciousness within my body for this? And very often it starts with all these dense emotions showing up all this kind of shame showing up, all this kind of anxiety showing up, fear showing up, a whole lot showing up. I'm not sure if I'm giving enough kind of like, at the very least enough perspective, maybe we can dive into more specifics if you want. No, I, I really enjoy these questions for contemplation. I think they're extremely valuable. These prompts are really powerful. And I and I really, um, everything that you've been saying is very, very deeply resonant. And I one thing that I would love to, to touch on and to continue this process that we're having this conversation is, you know, the sensitivity that you mentioned. I feel that 100%. Like everything you were yeah. saying was very, very deeply like, in my heart as you were speaking, because I was like same exact way in, in many sense of like really repressing that and then putting up walls and barriers 
and to because I I felt this innate responsibility to be um, a more emotionally involved uh, evolved at a very young age. So I created a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility to be a certain way. And even to this day, I can still feel that pressure from time to time, especially where it surfaces as tension in my body. But the one thing that I wanted to mention, which I think could help perhaps listeners that are that are going through this process right now with us is that in this case, we'll just take sensitivity. When you repress that, you put that into the shadow, so to say. So it becomes a shadow aspect. And because it becomes a shadow aspect and it can't be fully expressed, and correct me if I'm wrong, if it can't be fully expressed, then that often manifests as um, shame, guilt, rage, anger that comes out because it wants to be expressed, but doesn't really know how, because it never had a safe place to feel or to express whatever it is that you've repressed. So is that, that pretty much, you know, sums it up as far as the process of what we go through and then emerging back into that sort of uniqueness and authenticity that wants to emerge and come out? I love that. I love that question because if we take, just like you said, if you, we take that example of that sensitivity, it is not because I repressed that sensitivity that it went away. What I just did is I stopped receiving feedback from that part of me, the sensitive one, as I call that part of me right now. I stopped receiving feedback, but that part of me was still here and active from the shadow, really present. That is the only thing that I disrupted. I didn't disrupt the sensitivity. So what I'm trying to say here is many people are going through life right now. If you, if you knew yourself as very sensitive uh, growing up and you think, and you build some shields up, you may think, no, this thing is dead within me. I want to challenge that thought form and offering. Maybe it's not dead. Maybe the only thing that you've done is, yes, repressing it, but also disrupting the feedback mechanism, you no longer receiving feedback from that sensitive part. Now, that sensitive part within you, you I, I'm going to talk about me. What he was doing was just like tuning into my environment in a very visceral way, receiving input from my environment in a very visceral way. And that activity was still happening, meaning I was still accumulating, but I had no mechanism of healthy discharge. I had no mechanisms for that. I didn't know that. Growing up, it was through the crying. That's the only thing I knew. But no one knew how to help me regulate any of this. And the only way I had to regulate it, it was a way that wasn't accepted. So how did I regulate? Shut it down. But it didn't mean that I wasn't still kind of like drawing in a whole lot of things and feeling the shame that my brother was feeling at times when he had his um, own incidents and feeling also the, the anxiety, anger of my dad and also feeling some of the shame of my mom and things like that. Just kind of tuning into this. Now, what you repress doesn't shut down completely. It needs to be expressed. Life is expression. A big aspect of life is expression. So the mechanism of expression now is going to be something that goes in the shadow. So instead of expressing it through crying, and since I won't let myself consciously relate to it, there were discharging mechanisms of discharge that started appearing. Irrational anger, irrational rage. Um, later in my, you know, later in my teen years, a beautiful 
and obsessive way of the, I'm, I'm going to remove the word beautiful. I started discharging through um, sexual urges, like using porn. That was a big thing from age 15 up until age probably 21. It was like so huge, you know, so I was using it as a way to discharge every time. It, it was just like visceral. It just takes that you create some new association and that you actually feel that your body actually gives to you the feedback. Hey, when I am actually feeling anxious and I allow myself to go and masturbate, there is a discharge that is giving me the impression that I have released the cause of the anxiety, but it's just giving me some sort of relief. So there are moments where you actually begin to illuminate all of that and you begin to realize, hey, there's something here that is not working right. I am starting to realize that the solution that I tried for me, actually a big wake up call for me was asthma. I've had a journey with asthma that was, I often call asthma one of my big shadow attacks. Because when usually when this is my own personal experience. And this is how I started working through that. I realized that I was holding my breath so much when I was feeling angry and anxious and rageful, holding my breath almost unconsciously. My diaphragm was not really working efficiently. And I started building symptoms of asthma. And it lasted for a few years. I started working through that, really asking myself, what is going on? Um, I've never had any history of asthma. I've never, it's like your body is taking the toll of what you're repressing. Your body is really taking the, the toll of it, in my opinion, at the very least. And when I've learned how to be with all these feelings, discharge even more, and of course, going through teaching myself how to breathe again very consciously and involving my body in the process, it has been my experience that the asthma went away. So there is so much in there that we can go into. But just like you said, the mechanism of repressing, repressing an aspect of you, that aspect sometimes needs to be expressed in new ways and sometimes ways that are not perceptible at the beginning. But the more you bring your awareness, the more you bring your presence into it, the more you begin to ask the questions, what is the hidden force behind the pattern? What is the hidden force behind me wanting to masturbate every every day or every what is really going on? What is happening right before? What am I feeling in my body right before? What is that feeling? Let me just be with it and ask of the feeling literally to speak to me. I would really I, I would literally sit down and just like, all right, shame, we're gonna have a talk. Or anxiety, we're gonna have a talk. I need to I need to hear from you. Because I know that there is more in me than just this. And I want to know what is going on. So that's um, what I can say to this at the moment. Mm. Beautiful. Really wonderful share. And yeah, I just love how how much 
you're able to make this practical yet very eloquent and, and really helping anybody listening to this to really dive deeper. And so there's a few things that came up there um, that were really, really powerful. And I think the one of the last things that you said um, about actually speaking to whatever it is you're feeling like it's a character, like some a person that you're speaking to on the street, that you're having this sort of inner dialogue, this two-way dialogue with whatever it is, anxiety, shame, because it brings that awareness to it. And and the one other aspect too, I think is really important to mention is the body. And the body is the truth teller. It's the ultimate truth teller and doesn't lie. And so when we can go into these feelings that we're experiencing and we can go into the depth of them and feel them fully, and that's when sort of the the pressure valve is, is almost released. And then by having those conversations, in your case, the asthma being this manifestation of what you were literally internally processing within you, your emotions and your feelings. And that's why when we when we see anything on the body externally, well, that is most of the time, I'd say almost 100% of the time, it's, it's emotions things that we're not fully letting in or feeling. And so um, maybe you want to walk us through a little bit of a conversation that we could have. Let's say something pops up in us, um, anxiety, shame, guilt, whatever it is, whatever we want to name it, whatever comes up, what is sort of a a prompt or a a series of, of questions that we could potentially ask if these things surface within us? So one of the things, uh, first, I want to say thank you for putting it this way and for inviting even more focus on this, because in my opinion, I think it is one of the most underrated things and one of the most supportive things we can do with ourselves, really just like having a conversation with even an emotion. Very often what I've seen is people will, for let's say you dive into a shame spiral and then a thought form that is creating shame inside of you. You know, let's say, for example, you just made a mistake or you went on a date and you showed up in a way that you didn't want to, that didn't reflect who you know yourself to be. And then you go out of that, you say, oh, my God, I'm so stupid. I was such an idiot out there. And that thought form, of course, immediately brings up some feedback, shame. And maybe it's all up, maybe it's even going to bring up a trail of like situations in the past, like charges that you have accumulated in your body where you felt quote unquote, like an idiot, where you felt stupid. I'm sorry for the the language, but I I really gave this example so that it must, this is literally some of the ways people talk to themselves, you know, and even in more, in harsher ways than this. Um, These are some of the ways I've talked to myself. And sometimes if I don't catch myself, even in a joking way, I may may find myself saying things like that. Um, So that feeling of shame comes up. The, the the first invitation that I have for people is an invitation for permission. It's like, do I have my own permission to be with it? Do I give myself permission to be with this feeling? Do I give myself permission to be with this for a while? And even if you ask to your own heart, there is there is hardly, there is, I don't think I've ever had an emotional experience and asked my heart, can you hold me through this? My heart ever said no. Very often what comes up, it's almost like a laughing voice. It's like, thank you for asking. Let that, let's dive in. I've been waiting for you to ask. 
if my heart had a voice. That's usually what it feels like. It's just like immediately kind of dropping in, dropping in within. And that's the first thing I would invite people to actually do. It's safe for me to be here. It's safe for me to be with it. Like even a declaration, an affirmation out loud, it is safe for me to be precisely here with this feeling. It is safe for me to be intimate with it. It is safe for me to bring my presence into it. And something that I often ask people to do is just imagine, just imagine, personify. Imagine that this part of you had a face. Give it a face of yours. Just give it a face. Give it an age. Give it a face. Whatever you would like to, in your own way, attempt to personify. If you could think about this face and to, to this, um, this feeling, this charge within you, and even asking of yourself, how would you, what are the features? How would you give a face to that part of you? Just do it and play with it, even in a funny way. And then the next step is usually give it a voice. If this anger could speak, what would it say? If this sadness could speak, what would it say? If you could speak as the sadness right now, what would want to come out? If you could speak as the anxiety right now, what would want to come out? If you could speak as the shame right now, what would want to come out? If you could speak as grief, if you could speak as, take whatever emotional experience that you are feeling in that moment and give it a voice. And here's a very interesting part. Please do not attempt to coach that voice. Please do not attempt to, um, I don't know, um, psychoanalyze that voice or to be the therapist of that voice inside of you. Can you actually bless that voice with the 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 energy of presence awareness really bringing your curiosity i want to hear from you because very often these parts of us that has been repressed what they need is a kind of presence that will not see them as inadequate is a, a different kind of listening you listening with your body you listening with your heart you listening with everything that you have available and that, in my opinion, is one of the beautiful aspects that the masculine can bring in, in the equation of healing, which is very often when we go through something that is very traumatic, there is an aspect of the masculine that comes up, which is shield and run. Kind of like shield as best as you can, protect as best as you can, kind of bring the whole thing below the throat or below the heart as best as you can and run, run for survival, find a way to cope. And there is actually a beautiful alliance in there, a beautiful kind of like teamwork between the feminine and masculine systems of the body. We often see them as battling each other, but in my opinion, that is the biggest psyop psychological operation ever, that feminine and masculine are, are fighting each other. Very often, here's the way I'm relating to it. The feminine blueprint of your own body is like telling to the masculine. It's the conversation that I'm telling myself is happening between both. You know what? I am going to hold it, says the feminine. I am going to hold it on the water, in the waters of the body. I'm going to hold it in the waters of the body until you get us to safety. 
And when we get to safety, I'm going to call your name. So I'm going to hold it in the waters of the body until you get us to safety. So you run in all the ways you can think of. Shield yourself from this in all the ways you can think of until we get to safety. Operate from the mind in all the ways you can think of until we get to safety. And when we get there, I'm going to call your name. And this call for, from the feminine, often calling your name, is sometimes going to show up through triggers. It is sometimes going to show up through, you know, all these like old kind of like knee-jerk reactions, your reactivity showing up and you're like, oh my God, I, I feel like I'm hijacked by something. So that feminine kind of calling, um, and again, I'm just talking about the blueprint of your body here. I'm not talking about gender or anything like that. But that call from the body, that call from the body that's saying, hey, I got something here that I need you to bring, that I need you to be present with. When you just bring that presence and asking curiosity, openness of the mind, it is really a sacred aspect of the masculine. I desire to know again what I had to run from, repress in order to find safety. So when you are coming down and giving a voice to the feminine, this is what you're doing when you're like, I'm going to speak as a shame. I'm going to speak as you're giving a voice to the body. You're giving a voice to something that was muted. And I'm inviting you now to let whatever wants to come through, come through. To just receive whatever wants to come through. Let whatever thought form, impression, uh, sensation that wants to be shared with you, let that be received when you are um, for a second holding space. This is you holding space for yourself, holding space for the shame to be heard, for the anxiety to be heard. And this is how you begin to actually declutter around the wound so that the healing can unfold. So that's how I can, um, In a, I want to summarize with this. If you could speak as the anxiety, if you could speak as the shame, if you could speak as all this density, what would it say? And take note. And the, the other question that I would even ask is, can you make room in your heart to include the part of you that is experiencing that? Can you make room in your heart to include the part of you that is experiencing the shame? To include the part of you that is feeling unworthy, to include the part of you that is defaulting to, um, for example, in my case, porn as a way to regulate myself, porn as a way to regulate my rage, as a way to regulate my sadness, as a way to regulate my shame. Can I make room in my heart to welcome that part of me? I don't know if there is a pattern. If it's, I don't know if it's possible to heal a pattern without finding a way to accept it and love it i just don't know i haven't found it yet so ah <laughs> oh, what a gem what a gem there's there's so much of this process that i've done myself and um, perhaps i'll even give a, a an example to even make this even more like practical for people um and and use some of the things that you know i've i've had to navigate as of late as well um, to, to yeah. really bring this into focus. And I just want to say thank you first off for, for highlighting this because this process I've used hundreds of times on myself with others. And it, it just, it just, it, it transmutes, it alchemizes, it, it transforms 
the space within and the space without, and you make more of that, that space, that, that lightness, that authenticity, that uniqueness to come through, through this process. That's really the, the end part of this. And so it's funny, as you were talking, my, I can hear my three-year-old son having a tantrum downstairs, my wife holding space for him. And I'm like, well, how synchronistic is that? As we're speaking about that, the expression of a child sharing his emotions into the space. And, and I feel like I, I just love the, the timing of that. But anyways, um, you know, the other night I had, was going through a shadow process with my, with my partner and she, um, you know, has been doing shadow work as a, as a coach for many years and something that she's very trained and skilled in and took me through basically the exact same process. I, I do this sometimes internally and it it's very helpful, yeah. but I also found that externally when I have a mirror or somebody else that is guiding me through it, um, is also extremely helpful, especially with really dense, um, emotions and things that are going on. So, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole process that I went through, but I was experiencing, you know, these past, I don't know, several weeks, you know, just a lot of repressed anger coming up. And I know that's always been buried within me and, and it's had some unhealthy expressions at times. And it's also just been at this point now of my awareness, you know, knowing that, Hey, okay, this is showing up. I need to express it perhaps in the moment that's going to put on some gloves and do some boxing. Perhaps that's just moving my body and doing like a really intense hit workout. Um, Perhaps that's screaming into a pillow, whatever that is, you know, that I found other outlets um, at this point in my life to be able to express that, but I couldn't ignore it. And so I've explored different aspects of my childhood so many times and in so many different ways from so many different angles. Um, But, you know, one thing that I kept coming back to was, this little boy in me that really wanted to speak to as anger to my parents and my mom and growing up, my mom is a wonderful woman. Um, and of course all of our parents doing the best they could, but growing up, she had a lot of anger that now that I know is obviously resulted from her childhood and her upbringing and the trauma she experienced. But, you know, I really wanted to express as this five-year-old boy of how much this hurt, this sensitive boy that was really, that was feeling it. And then taking all of that on as my own and, and being responsible for that. And just speaking that out loud from the perspective of anger to her. And I mean, this process was so powerful because I was able to release not only a lot of tears through this, but also been able to, to really, um, really commune deeper and have even more compassion for, for my mom. And then bringing myself at this point of my consciousness to that five-year-old boy and bringing forgiveness into that. And, and really, I feel I was clearing much more than just anger that was mine. It was hers and it was my lineage and it was just a very, very powerful process. So that was just, I just wanted to bring that in real time because that's something that I just went through just a few days ago. Yeah. I just want to celebrate, you know, many things here is that you, that you have your wife that is, or your partner supporting you in, um, in this, um, this is a very sacred thing, um, that I really want to honor. And also your willingness to lean in there, your willingness to say yes, your willingness to raise your hand, like even the the the, the strength it takes to raise your hand and to say, you know what, I'm going to lean into this in the best of my ability. That is one of the most underrated things ever. Hmm. Like 
it is so taken for granted. And sometimes it is a tiny bit disheartening. And I understand why people would rather make the choice to gloss over things and try to ignore them. It's as if we are painting um, a mold, a, a, a wall that has mold. And then the mold keeps breaking through the paint. And then we paint even harder. We find a new kind of paint. And then at some point we're like, okay, I'm going to find metallic paint to block this off. And then the mold keeps working and then the paint rusts. Um, there's something about the intelligence of the earth that is coming through right now. It's like the earth knows how to decompose every single thing that it has made available at the surface, even metal. It knows how to decompose that when the time has come to transmute what no longer serves. It's most benevolent expression so does the body so when the time comes because in my opinion the, the the intelligence of the body and the intelligence of the earth are in my opinion the same thing we are the earth thinking evolving growing all of these different things so seeing the body offering this visceral anger and saying hey this is now taxing the work that you came here to do because this is very often how i'm relating to it it's like the body offering hey you know what you've called something and this thing that i've been holding here it is no longer making room for this this anger that i've been holding on here until here you gotta help me you gotta help me out here you gotta find a way we're gonna find a way to kind of like let it go back to the formless Take this energy that has been formed and solidified through, I often relate to anger as spiritual inflammation. We need to take mm. this fire and kind of release it to the formless so that your energy can be re resourced in more benevolent ways. So I just want to celebrate that so much. And the journey of expressing, in my opinion, a big aspect of our power is to learn how to express aspects of us that we had to suppress in the presence of people, in, in the presence of precisely the energies that caused us to repress it. So there is something powerful about you visualing, visualizing yourself or being in that space where that young boy is, is allowed, where you are holding the space for that younger part to speak to his mom as the anger, and to allow that in this safe container that you have created, of course, it demands safety. I'm not saying to people, go out there and challenge your parents and blow fire at them. That's not what I'm saying. Like there was an energy that was created through the facilitation that you went through of safety for you to even be able to do that. So it is disconfirming. The mind doesn't know how to make the difference between you having a real physical 3D experience and you having through that same kind of experience, whether it's rehearsing that, whether it's a guided imagery, whether you voice that, the mind really doesn't know. So there's a lot of power when it comes to healing that we have available. So you going through that experience is disconfirming. Disconfirming the limitation of the, the younger self that you used to be. And it's actually adding to your capacity of self-expression which is something that we have the ability to tap into right now. So the, one of the reasons why we often find ourselves in relationships where we have a version of our father in our partner, 
a version of our mother in our partner. Sometimes it looks like a trauma bond. It is sometimes it looks like, wow, precisely the, the trait of your mom that you didn't know how to deal with. Sometimes your partner is going to get angry and you just shut down and you don't know how to deal with that. There's also, there's also a divine invitation to learn how to kind of, to learn how not to lose yourself in front of that energy anymore. So there is so much that is offered in this journey that we get to we get to work through. And your example is just beautiful. And I'm I'm really celebrating that you, you the the space was created for you to transmute all of these energies. Mm. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And yeah, you know, like at this point of my awareness and consciousness and the, you know, all of the things that I've, I've done over the years is in regards to my own inner healing and work is really just one taking responsibility and ownership of my own self and my own healing and my own evolution. And through that, it's recognizing that my soul has chosen these experiences that have co-created these experiences to create even more power within myself and for me to step deeper into my authenticity and all of that. And I think oftentimes it's very easy for people to play and get into uh, the, the sort of shadow of the victim and the circumstance of being the victim to what's happening perceivably to us, but, but really, as we know, through us in order for us to fully come into that wholeness that is seeking to, to express and emerge. And I think through that perspective and when we can look at it from that angle, there's more power that we bring into that and, and those spots of which might feel fearful or might feel scary to go into, we actually feel more empowered going into them and, and being able to say, okay, well, let's look at this because we find out on the other side, it's, it's not as scary as our mind perceives it to be. You know, and, yeah. and I'm sure that's been some of your experience as well. It totally has. You know, there is something that happens when you actually bring, you know, one potent, potent attribute that um, we have. One way we illuminate is actually bringing presence to our own density. And that's I I think this is maybe the, the second or third time I've said this on this in, in this conversation usually we take this for granted just bringing presence to an inner experience more fully in all the ways you can bringing your awareness wrapping your awareness around this we take it for granted but it's as if you're walking in a dark room and you're bringing a beautiful lamp a beautiful light this is literally what it feels like to me and that presence that awareness has the capacity to actually illuminate you know, that presence, we we take it for granted. But when you even look at some models of quantum physics, it takes an observer. It takes an observer for a particle to, to, to shift out of, out of wave into more matter. It takes for you to observe it. So it's like your awareness brings order to what seems to be like chaos. Your simple awareness brings order to what seems to be like chaos. And to me, it's, it's a huge, huge thing. Like, I don't know how huge I can... Like, things like shame, they, they flourish, they, they grow in silence. But the simple fact that you 
witness something, you witness a shameful voice within yourself, it takes some of the potency. It takes some of the potency of that voice. And it really kind of clears so many things on so many different levels. It is really offering to that part of you, hey, you're worthy of being seen. When you bring your presence to an inner experience, you are saying you are worthy of being seen. You are worthy of being heard. You are worthy of my own presence. You are worthy eventually because this is what, you know, you know, getting into a place of deep love is. It's like you're worthy of my own love. You are worthy of being welcomed back into my heart. You are worthy worthy of having a place at the table of who I am. You are worthy of being intimate with me again. This is what we're doing. So if there are any aspects of your ex, of your of yourself that have been repressed finding mechanisms to create intimacy with it to become to come close to it to create outlet for expression you mentioned the outlet for expression that you have at the moment like I know when I don't have when I have urges that are not expressed whether it be whether it be anger um sometimes even aggression i'm not a safe space i can be passive aggressive i can be condescending i can like becoming aware of the hidden forces behind all of these patterns i can be very quick i can be you know it's really hard for me to listen it's hard for me to be compassionate in these places because i am refusing to also allow space to a specific aspect of myself So having some of these mechanisms where you get to express and be with these parts of you, not only express them in a way that is safe for yourself and for people around, in ways that will not get, for example, one thing that I can see in your story is very often we we transfer the pain our pain to others. We transfer the pain that we're not able to hold within ourselves. So maybe on some degree, um the, the the anger that your mom was ex- was experiencing was causing some degree of turmoil that she wasn't able to be with so there's sometimes a, a certain degree of outsourcing our own pain that happens so i don't want to be a person doing that and i know i've already done that in many ways and i forgive myself for all the ways i've done it but at the very least in this moment i choose to be very conscious of how I relate to my own pain or how I'm of how I'm able to transmute it, of how I'm able to express the patterns within me that have the capacity to inflict harm, if not properly expressed in a in the appropriate place. So having mechanisms from that and also having mechanisms to meet the hidden forces underneath. It is so important in my opinion to meet the hidden forces, to meet the driving force behind aggression to me the driving force behind you know sometimes in a passive way trying to kind of hurt even somebody that you care about through a mean comment or through something that you're saying um that the person is receiving as hurt and sometimes it may not be your doing i am aware of that sometimes it may just be how the person is receiving that but sometimes when you ask the question you can be like wow there's a part of me that wanted revenge There's a part of me that wanted to get back 
at this person. There was a part of me that wanted to be proven right. There was a part of me that wanted to do this or do that. What are the hidden forces? What was underneath that? Where's it coming from? I felt this, I felt this way before. Where's that coming from? That is you embracing the attribute of presence. This is you taking a beautiful attribute of presence and bringing that underneath, like in the underbelly of the patterns. Mm -hmm. Because usually we're trying to change the patterns from like, okay, I don't like it. I'm going to try to adjust myself behaviorally and it doesn't work. Because the feminine is saying, you know what, man, I have something underneath here that I get. You got to see before, before, before I stop coping in this way. Like if you don't meet this part of me, you can go fuck yourself. I'm not changing anything. So there is this beautiful dance of like seeing all the ways the body is asking for presence, seeing all the ways the unconscious is asking for presence, seeing all the ways you're invited to bring your presence to the unconscious that sometimes can feel like disorganized data. And the more you bring your presence to it, it starts to form in, the, in an orderly way and you begin to see some of the picture and now it starts making sense. And the part of you that you had been pushing away starts coming to the forefront and you can actually let it in even more. So um, what you th there's so much that goes into even the tiny ex example that you gave. The potency of that is so big. Mm. Oh, there's, there's so much goodness in this conversation. And I would like to offer that really at the end of the day and what you are speaking to in the sense of presence, you know, awareness is the key to our healing and freedom is when we shine awareness and presence into, into it, it acts as the light that is illuminating that shadow for the first time where that then can be integrated into your life in a very powerful way. And I think that's pretty much a, you know, very, very brief summary of what we've been speaking to here and having this conversation and the way the processes, the tools that you gave are just so invaluable. And I can say wholeheartedly that everything that Xavier talked about today, all of those prompts that he provided you really listen and go back. That's the invitation is to go back and to really work through this process. If you're going through something, there's many things that you mentioned as well that a lot of men suffer from numbing themselves through porn, going through, you know, and, and, and expressing their anger in ways that maybe are unhealthy or things that, um, being passive aggressive in relationships. And oftentimes it's our most intimate relationships that we take out all of this stuff on, you know, and I can relate to that even myself and patterns that have been triggered through this process, but surround yourself with community, with other men, with other brothers that are going through this and go through these processes that have been laid out for you today, because I can speak to the immense value this has on your own life and bringing you into that space of pure authenticity and heart centeredness in which the world needs so desperately right now, in which the earth needs so desperately right now for us to come into this deeper space of integrity and, and um, yeah, heart led living. So I just, yeah, I just appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, man, it's my ultimate pleasure. And, you know, just like I said, I love the cause that you are holding. And I also love the way it's holding you. Um, and I can only encourage, you know, people that are tuning into this conversation to 
cultivate some of what um, was shared here that resonates with you. I'm aware that this conversation may feel difficult to hear for some, and um, it can feel intriguing for others, but I'm really inviting you to kind of take some of what resonated with you and to give it the time of day, if I can put it this way, to basically give it the opportunity to simmer within your own consciousness and to explore it even more. Um, because in my opinion, at the moment, there's a recalibration, of course, of the feminine happening, but it's a deep recalibration of the masculine that is ongoing. That is ongoing. A recalibration of the masculine that, in my opinion, involves not rejecting any aspect of the masculine even the ones that we've been conditioned to see as negative, destructive, toxic, and all the other words that are out there. And when we go through that recalibration with an open heart, with an open heart, meaning your capacity to feel compassion for even the most quote-unquote, unlovable aspects of the masculine. Really, your capacity to bring compassion there. Very often, what we do is we discharge the hidden forces. We discharge the, 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 the shame, the anger, and all of the, the density that was fueling all these aspects of masculine expression. So... That, in my opinion, is one key aspect of our collective evolution right now. And learning how to do that in community is so key right now. Learning how to heal all our own masculine wounds and learning how to be in brotherhood and to open our hearts to, you know, other men, literally, is something that can create so much potent healing. Um... And learning how to relate more in a more heart-centered way to the feminine within ourselves. Even to the aspects of the feminine that we've rejected within ourselves. Learning how to bring our presence to that. And learning how to have this kind of conver co conversational expansion, if I'm going to put it this way. is something that we kind of like, it is invited for, from us right now. Because in order to hold, in order to hold yourself in this world where there is a collective expansion, so beautiful, powerful aspects of the feminine, there's a maturation that is happening and it's already here. And we are just remembering there's a maturation of the masculine. And I also want to offer this thought form. If you've ever thought that maybe as a man, in your journey of expansion, you've been behind in any way, shape, or form. That you've been behind the evolution of the feminine. I'm inviting you to um, hold a thought form. That maybe you are right on time and right on schedule. And just maybe you are right on time and right on schedule. And that the evolution of your consciousness that is unfolding right now in the most appropriate way it has to is precisely 
what needs to happen in this moment and that it's not a matter of being behind or feeling less emotionally mature in all of these different things it is your consciousness blooming in the ways your heart needs in this moment in a way that these times are calling forth um because nurturing this aspect of like self-esteem of the masculine in my opinion is you know and a healthy self-esteem is needed right now so i just wanted to to voice that as well for everyone for everyone listening well those are incredible last words and uh i feel like this conversation can go on a lot longer there's so many different parts of what we discussed today that we can very much go into more detail with but i feel that you know i feel everything that was mentioned and that you shared today so kindly and graciously with everybody um, really offers a toolkit for healing and expansion in so many ways. So I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing in the world and for the spaces that you hold for others and for yourself in order to be able to, you know, further this work because I do, you know, ever since I've been, you know, tuned into what you've been doing, just like feeling the authenticity and the truth behind that and knowing that, you know, what you're contributing to this collective evolution is everything we need right now for all of us to, to come into um, ourselves, our true, true nature. So thank you so much for that. And, you know, before I let you go, just want to share a little bit about, you know, what you're up to some places people can find you and connect with you if they want to take this deeper. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your kind words and also for having me here. Um, and for even, um, for the generous offering of, you know, um, directing people towards what I do. If if you're listening to this and you would like to tap into more of what I do, you can find me on Instagram. Um, I have one Instagram, Xavier.Dagba. You're going to see a, a few fake accounts. Um, I'm not a reader. I don't do readings or anything like that. Um, Xavier.Dagba on Instagram. Um, that's my account. And also my website, Xavier.Dagba.com. Um, these are the places where I usually express myself most. And I just want to say again, thank you to everyone listening. And thank you to you, brother, for having me here. And um, for all the work it takes to even put all of this, all of what you're creating out there, you know. So thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I very much look forward to potential future conversations and to continue to follow what you do. And um, yeah. Everybody listening, go check it out. Um, I'll link everything in the show notes. Everybody has that. And uh, with that said, much love to you and uh, many blessings. I appreciate you, my friend.